Okay, so it looks like we're good. So? Dr. Michael Kahn um, from Sustainable Streets. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I have a cold. I don't know why, but I have a cold, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I've got a number of cups of tea here, and I'm um, going to help myself to them. Well, that sounds good. Are you a medical doctor? No, no, I'm a doctor uh, in, in uh, you know, um, these English majors they always talk about on the radio, on the other radio show. The Engli- I'm one of those desperate English majors. I have a PhD in the history of some, some uh, strange discipline called rhetoric. Rhetoric. I've been I've been working on uh, in in the literary criticism field for a long time, and um, but then I'm also active as a bookseller and I deal with books, and so I'm interested in communication. Um, well, so and then your your job is is what is your actual like working title? Well. Um, I, I'm the secretary of Sustainable Streets, and which is a non-profit, and is not yet in the in in the, at the stage of paying our employees or secretaries. Um, Sustainable Streets is a is a non-profit um, focusing on bicycle education and encouragement programs, and um, we want to be the go-to place in all things bicycle education. And we work with the curriculum of the League of American Bicyclists which is a nice little tool to address these issues which are often voiced, that people feel unsafe on the road and that they are afraid to take their bicycle out of the garage and that they feel threatened by cars. And with this little curriculum, not a big deal, not a PhD, just a little bit of a a couple of classes, um, we feel we can address that and can empower people to use their bikes in traffic which puts us a little bit into the vehicular cycling community and not so much into the bike lane community. Because if we can already start to divide things a little bit, on the one hand we have the, the, this, the hope that education will make the difference, and on the other hand maybe the engineers who want to solve everything with the paint on the street or with a facility or with asphalt, you know. And these are two different approaches. I don't know, they, they probably go hand in hand, but... Uh, it's, okay, it's good so, to keep them a little bit apart, maybe. So, okay. Um, should those two disciplines be, are, you know, um, not confused with each other, or are they, are they good that they go hand in hand? I, I just, if it, they need to go hand in hand, of course. But oftentimes, there is a sense that, um, that everything needs to be engineered, you know, that the engineering solutions will be the ultimate solutions. And some of this we, we, we heard yesterday. Shall, we, shall I talk a little bit about the conference we, um, we attended yesterday, the Complete Streets Conference? Yeah, that's actually what we're going to talk about. That would be great. Yeah, that that's that's was a very interesting event. I, what I have to say about it may, may um, not be entirely true because I attended not the entire event because of my cold, if I have an excuse. And, um, yeah. But... One of the important, uh, first of all, this conference was called Complete Streets for Los Angeles. And what they're trying to do is focus on this complete streets uh, element and create a structure for how to achieve complete streets. Who was sponsoring the conference? Where does the money come from? Uh, I don't know. It comes from Renew. And Renew is a program of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. 
So we have a public health department which is sponsoring a, a, prog a, a conference on how to design streets for pedestrians and cyclists. Hmm. I think this is really revolutionary. This is really strange and really remarkable and really wonderful. Hmm. And, and tell, tell me why. Can you? Because you would think that the engineering profession, those people who have built our roads for so many years, would be the ones who pick up this baton and run with it, who would be the ones to, to, um, to develop these standards and, and, and produce these, um, these new streets, complete streets or great streets or whatever you want to call them. Um, and, but the, the, the health community comes in there and says, we as the public health agency will tell you how you have to redesign your streets in order to get positive health impacts I think that's that's a big deal, you know. That's a real big deal. Well, is this a is this a conference that is going to have results? I mean, or is this just you know a conference of the public health department about how we would like to have streets? Well, they put their money. Well, they put their money there. You know, they have engaged one of one of the planners here in in in, in Los Angeles, Ryan Snyder, to produce a manual which is going to be focusing exactly how to. Um, how to how to uh, design complete streets? And Ryan Snyder, who has a lot of experience in this field in, in Los Angeles, has been has been scoped to, to to pick up this manual. This will be a manual which different cities can adopt and and use, and make part of their own general plan or some transportation plan. And then they have then they have standards to draw upon to um, to to restripe their streets when 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 the time comes. You know. So, um, so what did they what did they say? What did they, <coughs> how, does, how do the streets look from a public health perspective? I mean, what, what's the ideal public health? Well, the, the, the interesting thing is, um, if I if I understood this correctly, and, and there should be someone to correct me, but um, it, it's all about how the street is designed and which which is the the primary primary user of the street, and of course. Um, Ryan gave a nice presentation where he showed how, how the primacy of the car traffic puts, puts the sidewalk very much on, on the side of the road and, 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 and leaves us. And, and, and that the street, the, the right of way for cars is growing all the time and, and, and the streets are being designed for high speeds and, and, and all these things produce environments in which nobody wants to walk and nobody dares to cycle. I mean, these are... These are um, non-brainers, you know, everybody knows that, you know, and, and so th their point is, if we want to get people out of cars, because people in cars um, have, have health problems, you know, if you get, as soon as you can get them out of cars, that seems to be their idea, we get, it's healthy to get them out of cars, you know, it's a good thing to get them out of cars, and, and even making a, a sidewalk more walkable um, is, is a way of doing this, and, and so this is a kind of engineering assistance in spelling out some of the some of the rules that um, should be adhered, and and I believe a first draft of this of this manual, um, it's called redesigning our streets, a manual for healthy, livable communities. The first draft of this manual is going to be presented on 15th of March at the at the Metro Building. Well, I can't. It sounds like you're a little annoyed by this, but is that? I mean, it sounds no, like I'm not annoyed. I'm not annoyed. I think this is a very. I'm, I'm not annoyed at all with this. I think it's a. I, I, I don't quite understand how how it happens that a public health agency needs to step forward to put this to put these ideas on the table. You know. 
Um, yeah. Oh, so you don't mind the what they what they came up with? It's just that who? Why was it them and not the engineers? Yeah. Why? 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 Do, why? How did it happen in this political situation that the public health department needs to get involved in street design? You know, that's that's the striking thing for me. Huh. Well, do you have an answer to your own, or is that a rhetorical question? Hmm. I mean, what's what's the answer to that question? Why, why is the why? No, is I don't really have an answer. I guess it has to do with, with 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 the bigger picture. You know, um, if if you have a, a transportation profession which is only about transporting cars and transporting goods, then 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 you 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 uh, lose the bigger picture, and the bigger picture comes then with a rising health costs and with a, a obesity a, obesity epidemic and diabetes and all these other side effects of 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 forty percent of car trips under two miles you know that's just and 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 the, and the air quality impacts and all of this we all know about that yeah it's um there was one point at the at the conference where I felt a little bit annoyed about it because um um when when um we heard some other presentations which pretended that in order to make life for pedestrians and cyclists particular I'm most concerned with better um, it's all a question of engineering it of redesigning it and that there's there's the point where i think maybe the perspective needs to be a little bit bigger and 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 and, uh, and the planning profession needs to understand what education of cyclists can do for them mm -hmm. so where's the whose voice is, is I, I, you, I'm losing you. Can you speak up a bit? Uh, who, so who's uh, who's advocating for that? Well, it was just kind of implicit. And there were, Jennifer Dill, I think, was speaking, and and and, and there was some ways of, of in, in which she spoke about um, that certain things still need to be engineered, you know. And I think, you know, an architect will de design a house in a certain manner, and it will give you a certain ability to behave in the house and it will give give make certain impressions on you how he designs it so the hardware does have a, a a great deal of impact of how you behave on it but in terms of cycling you cannot make cycling safe only by engineering you know yeah. only by designing streets in a certain manner if you reduce conflicts and this and that it helps but it really helps if you tell people how to do it properly, you know, and you need to tell it. You you need to include that element of education in your in your in your engineering thing. Otherwise, well, there's this kind of dream that everything can be resolved with an engineering solution, and that's a I think that's a dangerous dream because it 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 doesn't happen like this with car drivers. Car drivers try, get their license; they have to pass a test, and they learn something, you know, and 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 cyclists. Not that they need a license, but it's a good idea to to involve them in in in, in the in the rules of the road and in the tricks of how to stay safe on the road. And there's there's a lot of people around that um, that that do that try to get people to learn how to ride in traffic. Can like uh, I think Ron Durgan does that. Is he with the League of American Cyclists? Yes, he's also with us on Sustainable Streets. Absolutely, yeah, Ron Durgan. Ron Milam started something, and I don't know what's happening with it now. With Bike Sage, remember that? I think Ron Milam, yeah, he wanted to do something like that, bike stage, correct, yeah. Where they, where one, one bicyclist teaches another one, mm -hmm. you know, how to get around on bikes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. these are very important elements, and, and they don't happen on the engineering scene, and they don't happen so much with manuals, but they happen as a kind of social movement or as an educational movement, and it's that 
drawer that has not yet been opened by the engineering community, and they they they, okay. they believe too much in so, in in their own tools. So and they, also, I think Charles Gandhi in Long Beach, he he has he's, he has a clear sense that that these things are very important, and he, he involves this uh, the, the, the training in schools and things like that. He may not he I think he he uses a firm called um, Safe Moves. Um, I'm not quite sure what they're doing, but um, but uh, th this is very important to, to keep that education element well, on the front of our mind, you know, N not, not believe that a, a, a stripe of bike lane here or a segregated facility there will, will, will put everything right, you know. Yeah. If you had $10 million that, to spend on um, improving biking in L.A., how much would go to education, how much to infrastructure, engineering? Ah, how much money would you give me? $10 million to start, oh. just to see how you'd spend it. <coughs> Well, we I want it all for education, I tell you. I want it all for education. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I personally want it all for education. There comes someone who wants some for his, his, his engineering. But if you ask me, I think I will make the greatest impact if I can take that money and have an army of educators and go from door to door and talk to people and get their rusty bikes out of the garages and, 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 and spend a couple of hours with each of them. And, and, uh, and, and that's, that's it. And this is a way of spending money which is very difficult in a sense. And it's not easy to, 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 to pursue with that, you know, because it's kind of, it goes through humans, you know. You, you have uh, humans. It's not like buying a bridge or something and then you have a contractor and he spends $10 million on a bridge or a tunnel or something. So I guess that's it's sort of people think well you just pay for it once and then it's done and we don't have to worry about it and we did it. Uh, whereas it's something that is it's a human problem. It's the human problem is the human solution in a sense. It's, what I see there is a kind of um, budgeting structure. You know, for, for for government agency to spend money, how do they want to do it? They want to spend as much money as possible in one go. So that's why they built highway widenings and, and, and uh, multi-occupancy vehicle lanes and stuff like that. You know, the larger the infrastructure, the better for the, for, the, for the funding organization because they can spend a lot of money in one go and don't need to fiddle around with little projects and oversee them. And well, so yeah. you, ha you have a tendency for these big infrastructure problems to be, uh, projects to be supported. And for smaller projects, you, you don't get the money. Well, um, at this point, I would love to have somebody call in and maybe either confirm what you, what they, or just corroborate or or to that would be great. say yeah. something different. Um, I don't know if anybody's going to call in, but the number is 213-252-0998, killradio.org. Um, I, should, I, should I hang up because I'm, I'm occupying the line? Is that that's correct? the thing. We... You know, we just have one phone line, and uh, can you call back in five minutes if no one calls? I will. All right. Uh, so, great. 213-252-0998. And this is Nick. This is Bike Talk. We just heard from Dr. Michael Kahn of Sustainable Streets, who thinks that the money uh, for 
for bike improve, biking improving biking in LA should be spent on education and not infrastructure. So the question is, what do you think of that? If you had $10 million, would you spend it all on education or would you spend it all on engineering and infrastructure? Or would you split it? And we're going to, a little bit later, actually about um, an hour from now, we're going to have Eric Ochoa, our, uh, our racing, uh, our sports, our bike sports guy. And right now we can play a little music while we wait for a caller. Connie Francis, he's just a scientist. There's a bicycle that two crows ride. Carry the moon across the sky That is a lie The moon is a pie Thrown long ago in the clown fight That isn't true, it's all in the room Of our mason jar so we can
still listening to Bike Talk. We got some bike music, and we're waiting for a caller to call in. Um, the question, if you had $10 million to spend on biking in L.A., would it be on education or engineering or both? And what percentage? Talking with uh, Dr. Michael Kahn from Sustainable Streets and just listening to bike music. Yeah, okay, we're still here at Bike Talk, and we're waiting for people to call in on the latest question. What's more important, engineering or education in bike improvements and bike advocacy? What do you want to see more, education or engineering or both? And what mixture? Would you say 50-50 or 70-30? All right, so um, Dr. Michael Kahn from Sustainable Streets will be calling back. And um, we do have some listeners, but they're not calling in. So just waiting on somebody to make that step to call 213-252-0998.
And um, I guess we could play another bike song. This isn't a bike song, actually, although it's from my bike playlist. It's called Blue Bicycle, but there's no lyrics.
Okay, we're back with Dr. Michael Kahn, I hope. Michael? Yes, I'm here. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, this is... Uh, we, we Nobody called in, but somebody um, contacted me on Facebook. Um, do you want to hear what he had to say? Yes. His name is Josh Harris, and he said... Um, he, he said he can't call in, but he said he would spend... I asked, would you spend $10 million and would you spend... How much would you spend on infrastructure, engineering, how much in education for biking in L.A.? And he said uh, he'd spent all of it on engineering. And he said the only way drivers will accept cyclists is when infrastructure and numbers make them a fact of life, not an annoying obstacle. See Chicago. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> but you would say the same thing. I mean, to get it, you know, the numbers makes it safer and... Um, you get numbers by educating too, right? I'm, I'm, I would want to disagree a little bit with the gentleman and say, um, if you if you are out on the street on your bicycle and you f- and you have the feeling that this driver behind you considers you an annoying obstacle, then I have news for you. I can help you to change that experience, and I will tell you this is not an experience which is being produced only by the driver's lack of knowledge or the lack of streets or the lack of bikeways, or the lack of infrastructure. This is something that is produced by the interaction between the cyclist and the driver. And the two meet on the street, and one is afraid of the other. And in that that fearful um, interaction, certain things happen which make the outcome unpleasant for the cyclist. And if you... you, um, What we try to teach our students is that this is not a, a, a given. You know, you can control that interaction between the cyclist and the driver and you can look at him and you can indicate to him and you can be with him and 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 not be run over him but don't you know it's it's an interaction it's a, it's a dance there are two people on the road and they're dancing together and if there's an unhappy outcome and you feel you've been overtaken in a situation where you shouldn't have been overtaken then there's plenty you could have done differently in order to have had a different outcome. And that's, that's the wonderful thing about bicycle education. It turns the thing around. You're no longer thinking, oh, these car drivers, they're mistreating me day and night. You, you start to understand that it is you yourself, you cyclists, that have made certain choices and have behaved in a certain manner so that, it made it, so, so that you rendered it possible for the, for the car driver to overtake you in, a, in, 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 a, in an unpleasant manner. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, somebody else here, Chris Dofer, on uh, Facebook says, bicycle treatment and safety sections added to driving tests. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, and, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, the, 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 there we go. I mean, the driving test, that's, that's uh, the, the education element. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the, of course, when I said all the money should go for education, I was, I was a little bit teasing. There, there, there are plenty of things which can be improved with a bit of paint here and a bit of paint there. But, um, but and, and, and interestingly enough, how, again, I go back to Charles Gandhi, you know, how he, he defends his green bike lanes in Long Beach, not so much as creating a new physical zone in which cyclists can flourish. He says these are things which communicate to car drivers certain conditions on the road, you know. And so you, 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 you make an official announcement with uh, 
by painting something on the road. And if you talk about announcements, if you talk about communication through infrastructure, then you're already a little bit on the level of education, you know. And that's a, a way in which these two things can almost go... The borders between engineering and education kind of become... become um, well, yeah, so that's why I'm thinking. I mean, I, I kind of, as somebody who's interested in, like, uh, I coach, I coach high school debate sometimes. I'm, I'm kind of interested in, sort of, sort of polarizing it because it creates energy, you know, tension and, and so conflict and drama when you say, you know, oh, is it, is it engineering or education? But really, yeah, I mean, everything is communication, isn't it? I mean, yeah, everything is communication, and everything is. Is, 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 and, 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 and what I would say, the way you ride your bike is so much communication, and if you ride your bike a little bit differently, you can communicate different things to the car drivers around you. And, 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 and there we are, certainly on the same, on the same sheet. So um, you wanted to, I guess we're just going to keep going on to the next subject, and, and if people want to call in, they can just let me know on Facebook. I'm on Facebook right now. Um, but uh, you... I wanted to talk about shortly about this listening session, which was taking place earlier in this week at the Veterans Administration. Um, and, And what's happening there is that we have a federal transportation bill, and the federal transportation bill is a big deal. That's all the federal money that comes to the states and has given us the highway, the interstate system, and all the, all the other money that comes into, into transportation things. They have, and in the past, this bill has not been um, rewritten, but it has only been reauthorized. That is, the bill that was settled on a couple of years ago or decades ago, I don't know how long ago, um, has just been extended in its validity. But now they're trying to put together a new bill which will maybe set new priorities on the federal transportation funding level. And the committee is the Transportation Committee, and they have two chairmen. This is John Mika, a Republican, and our very own Barbara Boxer. And they have a committee, and that committee went on the road, and they were holding their committee meetings as public events on uh, in this theater in Brentwood. And, and, and that was kind of interesting. It wasn't as encouraging as we had once a meeting with um, La Hook, the um, transportation secretary, had a meeting last year, which was very nice, and the public had a chance to speak. But this one was not without public input, but there were experts who were speaking on the stage, and it was quite, yeah, kind of interesting to see how it goes. But yeah, one of the uh, things that I wanted to say about this, okay. there was... One of the things that, that was on the foreground of this discussion was this 30-10 thing. That is an attempt to um, spend 30 years of Measure R, mass transit, transportation funding within 10 years in order to accelerate the subway to the sea and all the other things. And one of the um, reasons why this is a good idea to do now, apparently, is because there are so many unemployed construction workers. So here we go. We have we're talking about infrastructure, and suddenly, the the the, the number of unemployed workers in the country, a very important fact, um, enters into the goals of a transportation discussion and transportation bill. And yeah, I think well, that's a. Uh, uh-huh. That's a, that's a little bit of a strange, strange, strange scene in a sense. You know, as, as strange as, if, as I find it that the health, public health department should come in, and 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 set standards and develop standards of, on how to construct, how to design 
complete streets. I find it rather strange that in the, in the context of, the, uh, of a federal transportation bill, one of the goals should be to reduce the unemployment among construction workers. It's, it's, I'm happy for every con construction worker who, who, who gets a job, but, but it's not part of the transportation bill, I think. Well, yeah, but I mean, can you really be that pure about politics and expect it to, um, you know, to follow just the, the ideas? <laughs> I wish I can. I wish I can. But where I come from, we are, I've, well, I don't know. I, I think, yes, if, I wish I could be that pure. I think, I, I wish if a transportation bill could only be about transportation and not about a senator asking the union representatives come forward and hold up signs with uh, representing all the numbers of unemployed construction workers. I mean, transportation bills are about how to arrange what kind of transportation you want to have in your country. And if you want to subsidize um, car transportation, or if you want to encourage uh, non-motorized transportation and things like that, if you want to have high-speed train or not, if you, uh, all these things need to be discussed in a transportation bill. But, but, but these, the, the, the job creation aspect of these things, is, for me, it's just strange. You know? I'm, sometimes I feel I'm a real stranger in this country, and I am, of course, a stranger in this country. And I don't understand how, how these things um, come in there and, and how it happens that, that instead of speaking about transportation goals, um, they speak about unemployment. One of the ways in which this um, was expressed was, was that, that people were saying on, on stage that um, the way to measure transportation is over outcomes, you know, and then you measure who's being transported and who's moved and how many people and how many goods have been moved. And not you don't you don't measure how many unemployed construction workers have found work because well, there you yeah. really create just you, you build stuff in order to keep people employed. I mean that's so crazy. Well, what if what if you educated people in order to keep people employed? What if you took your army of educators and employed them? Okay, send them on. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the benefit of that is you would pay people. You would you create an in, uh, an outcome. You would you would create a, a, a better education about these things, and and you would not put these massive infrastructure wrecks into the landscape. You know, because every construction worker is is is, is leaving behind him a great legacy of 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 of. of, of of structures in the landscape, you know, and which have to be removed sometime, perhaps. I don't know. We have a question on Facebook That's for it. you. Uh, related to, quote, education, what does, the, what does uh, Dr. Michael Kahn think about bike operator licensing? Uh-huh. <coughs> I haven't really thought about it much, but one way of, of doing it is maybe not so much a license for a bike operator. No, I think, I think that would be over the top. But um, th that someone who is willing to engage with... You know, in, 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 in Europe and in other countries, we have, we have something like that. And it happens at the schools. And the kids get a, uh, get a class in, in, in cycling skills, and they get a, get a little bicycle license when they've done it. And that is a rudimentary handling skills and things like that. But it's a childish thing, you know. They are maybe 10 years old or something. But uh, that would be definitely worthwhile. And another thing that could be worthwhile if, if you created a way in which someone at a more advanced age um, who undergoes such a training, a day or two, um, or maybe an Internet-based training, 
would be able to claim some benefit for this, you know, like free parking in his community, or, you know, you have an encouragement program for people to take these these education courses, and then you give them something back. You tell them how to, you give them some benefit, you know, a free movie ticket or something. <laughs> it's not really a, 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 a bicycle license, but, but it's, it's, it's related to, to, to that and encourages people to take that. A lot of people don't like the idea of bicyclists having to have licenses. Yeah. No, no, it's, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's certainly not a, not a requirement, but for, for those who, who, who engage in this and, and, and participate in such an educational thing, I think a reward would be, would be a good thing, you know? Uh-huh. So like a voluntary license? A voluntary license, or maybe just a, just a, a benefit which you get when you, when, you, when you partake in such an educational program. Oh, yeah. So like if you're, it's like being a KCRW member. Yeah. Some, some, some movie tickets or something like that. That's a good idea. I like that. The bike club. Or maybe even a free parking spot, you know, for your car, you know, and that makes it a little bit more <laughs> uh, yeah. perverse, maybe. But um, but but maybe people will 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 think that's worth something if they can park for free for a month or something. Yeah, I mean, I like a you know, I like that, like the AAA for bikes, but I don't know what they would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you know, by the way, that trip? Do you know about AAA's uh, politics? A, a, a little bit, a little bit. They. They will like oppose safety standards in cars or, or clean air, clean air laws if they affect cars or. Yeah, the triple A people. This is a difficult thing. They, Steve, Steve is, is is the boss here in, in in Southern California, and he's he's trying to to um, to do the right thing, but I don't think he he he, he quite gets it. Um, he's he's interested in these things, but he, I mean, these are big big. Agencies, and it would be very good if we could engage them in a in a manner and and take them out on the bike a little bit. Take take them out. You mean like execute them? No, <laughs> no. Take them on a ride. You know, yeah. just show them how it is out there. Well, um, I don't know if you were done about the the committee meeting. Did you? I just wanted to say that w- w- one more thing. First of all, I was I was surprised how much the union and the unemployment and the employment interests were dominating the transportation bill discussion. I think this is inappropriate. And the second thing is that around this 3010 plan of funding transportation things, these are mass transit transit projects and not regular car projects, but it's a similar thing. There is a great deal of, of, of interest in funding with borrowed money. You know, I'm not a, I don't know about fiscal business and stuff like that, but I think there is a way of funding transportation projects, and that's through the gas tax. And the gas tax is a mess because it's going down and down and down. What's happening is they have assessed a tax of 17 cents or something per gallon of gas, and that tax feeds the highway trust fund. And with this money, um, the highway, highway system is to be maintained and repaired and this and that. However, as it happens, this gas tax has been set 10 or 15 years ago, or maybe 20 years ago, and it has not been adjusted for inflation. So it's continuously going down. So the, gas, the, the, the highway trust fund is fed by this gas tax, and the gas tax is going down and down and down. 
and and that's that's <laughs> that's a, that's a little bit of a strange situation, you know. You can't and and they and 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 the politicians are apparently unable to address that, you know. They feel oh we, we cannot raise any taxes, and so we, you pay a ridiculous amount of of of, of excise duty or, or duty on, on on your gas, and 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 hence the whole infrastructure suffers. That's one of those things which I think the transportation bill really should address. But but the politicians present at the committee meeting, they they felt they could not, and, and that was impossible to to address that fact. And and I think that's just poor, you know, it's just um, disappointing. Okay, so the, what what came out of the? Did anything come out of it? And how long are these uh, committee meetings going on for on the road? Are we going to get another chance to go to a committee meeting and watch no, Barbara Boxer? Uh, well, they had one in Fresno before, and they, they have. I think they had a schedule of, of, of six or seven of them throughout the country. It's a nice little uh, uh, attempt to to involve the public a little bit and to bring out these things and take it out of Washington. You know, I think I, that's a, that's a good idea, and it gives us a, a, a way to see how this works and the and the strange procedure that they have during these meetings. But. Um, I, 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 It's a, it's, yeah. it's, there's a long, uh, still a lot to be done. There's Transportation for America, T for America, with the number four. Transportation for America is one of those groups which are actively um, working with with the people who, who are responsible for the transportation bill, and, and and that's a good good place to find more information about this this project and how to how to support them. Um, okay, so what else? Should we should we give callers a chance? Because I think maybe, we should maybe. give callers a chance and give my voice a chance to 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 calm down a little bit. All right, you want to call back if you think of anything else in a few minutes? We'll do. Okay, thanks, Doctor. Bye bye. All right. Well, we uh, have been talking to Doctor Michael Kahn about the Federal Transportation Committee meeting that happened. I think it was yesterday. Uh, Barbara Boxer and and her Republican opponent. I can't remember, um, but maybe we'll get that information. I'm sure it's everywhere. Uh, we're, we're talking in Brentwood in a committee meeting in a theater um, just about uh, the federal transportation bill and um, what, what to put in it and, and apparently um, employing construction workers is a big part of the consideration and not just, uh, not just what works but what will employ people, which I guess is pretty – Pretty uh, standard procedure. Okay, now YouTube, but call in 313-252-0998. This is Bike Talk. I'm Nick, and you can get in touch with me on Facebook at Bike Talk. I'm going to play a YouTube song, supposedly about bikes, but maybe not. Let's check it out. Okay, too much going on at one time. Too much at one time. Okay, try it again. Yeah, yeah. Bicycle man is what I am. He proud to be. Who watch my style? Well, for a second, he lead Who wait? I want up in the yard. 21 past three. One wheel in the air. We don't care. We really, really. You could turn on the avenue. Saw this girl that long time I knew. 
Hey girl, how is the day? Hey hey, she looked at me and this is what she say. She said she don't want no bicycle man. Oh she is looking for a car man. I wanna drive some minivan. I looked at her and smiled a while. Hey, she realized I didn't like her style. Cause bicycle man is what I am and proud to be. Watch my style, well we're stacking dilly dally. Whether I want a penny or twenty one pounds. We don't fail, we really, really. The next day, she see me in a motor car, flag me down, ask me if I'm going far. I looked at her, do you remember yesterday? She looked at me, and this is what she had to say. Say she know I no bicycle man, oh she is looking for a car man, I want to drive a minivan. I looked at her, and smiled a while, eh? She realized I didn't like her style. Cause bicycle man, that's what I am, and proud to be. Who oh, watch from style, well we're second dilly dally. Who had I want a penny on 21 passy? Fun wheel in the air, we don't Baby, wee 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 I'm riding, riding. Big crystal out of bicycle. Yeah, that was Bicycle Man. It says uh, Hope Ton Lindo Territory and Rude Boy. Um, so I got a request for the bike song with Spank Rock, and I'm going to look for that. But first, I'm going to play one of the old classics here on. Uh, the Kabar Bike Rock playlist. Call in if you want to talk to listeners. at 213-252-0998. We're going to play the bike song by, uh, I think it's the Business International. And uh, this was recommended by Cameron Rath. And a lot of people sort of say the song is silly or the video is silly or the, they don't, I've heard people say they don't like the song but they like the video. Definitely the video is, is a key to appreciating the song. So check it out if you can. Bike song, business international. Um, this will be the audio. Bye bye.
Bonjour, mon vieux. Till I get home 
bike songs? Let me know. Our listenership dropped, it seems to have dropped since Dr. Michael Kahn uh, got off the phone from Sustainable Street. Um, yeah, I guess, and I, and I talked to him. He said, you know, really, with the bad connection and, the, and my, my accent? Um, and I said, yeah, I think people have to concentrate, and they like being made to concentrate. So we're going to ask Dr. Khan to come in to call in again next week. Um, so I guess in the absence of other calls, we will go back to bike songs. And um, we do have a long comment on Facebook. I guess I'll read it. It says, oh, the first one from Severin Martinez says, he, he would say, okay, to, in answer to the question, how much of, if you got $10 million for, for bikes in L.A., for biking in L.A., how much would you spend on engin engineering and how much on education? And he said, Severin Martinez, 80% for engineering, 20% for education. So, Dr. Khan, if you're listening, that probably is going to make you want to call in again. Um, Dr. Khan is for all education and thinks that engineering is just a, I, I, don't, I, I think he would say maybe a quick fix. Or an easy fix. Steve Magas on Facebook says, we talked about licensing cyclists. He says, licensing cyclists is stupid. You make people get licenses for stuff that is dangerous to others. Practicing medicine, driving cars, blowing stuff up, walking, cycling, mowing the lawn. That stuff doesn't require a license. Even if you do screw up, you're not likely to hurt anyone other than yourself. And he goes on, but I told him he needs to call in. Uh, he says, we treat driving cars as a God-given right in this country, and the penalties for driving carelessly are far too weak to discourage careless driving. Penalties change behavior, and slaps on the wrist for killing people does nothing, so spend some of that money on advocacy as part of your, quote, education budget, and get laws passed that will let people know they will spend some time in jail and lose their license to drive for a long, long time if they drive carelessly and kill or maim someone. Maim someone. So Steve Magas, call in. Or are you just on Facebook? Um, let's see what else we got here. How about some, some bike music? I Ride My Bicycle by Greg Spence Wolf. Round and round the town we go on our bicycles Round and round our pedals go Moving fast, moving slow Up and down the hills we go Huffing, puffing as we go Riding through the worst of storms Rain and sleet and snow I ride my bicycle to work every day and I take my bicycle home every night Dealing with cars that get in my way And dealing with potholes left and right And when I ride my bicycle at night I 
use a hand to our headlight so I can't see where I'm going my bicycle to the grocery store and I take my bicycle when I run my chores dealing with drivers who yell get out of the way because they think I ride my bike too slow I try to ride my Bicycle, really safe cause I don't think that roads are safe for racing upon. I watch out for cars cause cars are dangerous. I watch out for trucks cause trucks endanger us. I stop at all the stop signs and look both left and right I always wear a helmet and reflectors at night I keep my eyes upon the road Round and round the country we go on our bicycles Round and round our wheels go Clicking, ticking as we go Up and down the hills we go Building muscles as we go Right into the greatest places You could want to go Okay, so you're here on Bike Talk, podcast on kpfk.org, live on killradio.org. The number is 213-252-0998. And here's a song about Sunday afternoon One, bicycle two, three, by Kevin Sands. Four. It was one of those days when you could see it coming Woke up confident that you'd hit the ground running It felt like love was on its way Just like you felt it yesterday In fact you felt it every day since you were 20 Honey But you were playing solo Sunday afternoon bicycle polo A bunch of hipsters having fun But you were shining like the sun 
You stood so high above the pack It wasn't funny Honey Don't let them get inside Keep some for just yourself But honey, don't just sit alone Up on that dusty shelf Don't let them drag you down Don't let them in your blood Oh honey, hold your ground It's bound to come around Yeah As that night grew colder You were feeling better But you were wishing You had brought along a sweater But they wouldn't own you they're feeling numb You need a better set of friends Who aren't so scummy Honey I sure hope my little wren and raven Don't embarrass Or in some way make things different Between us You're almost perfect in every way even on imperfect days You make me happy even when the skies aren't sunny Honey Don't let them get inside Keep some for just yourself But honey, don't just sit alone Up on that dusty shelf Don't let them drag you down Hold your ground It's bound to come around Don't let them get inside Keep some for just yourself But honey, don't just sit alone Up on that dusty shelf Don't let them drag you down Don't let them in your blood Oh honey, hold your ground It's bound to come around Gonna try to listen to a 911 call from somebody who called in when a guy on a bike uh, tried to pull him over with a gun and everything. Let's see how this goes. One, what is your emergency? Yes, uh, one guy with a bike. He just broke my windshield. What's the address or intersection? It's, it's on 34, I know it's 19, 34th Street, and 54th Avenue. I mean, it's 53rd Avenue. He's riding to running away right now. Okay, hold on. 53rd Street and 30, or 34th Street and 53rd Avenue? Yes, ma'am. What city is that in? Yeah. He's right, uh, he. 
hit my windshield with a bike, and he's running away right now. Was it a vehicle crash hit your windshield, or he just came up and smacked your windshield? He just smacked my windshield with a, with his uh, bike. He just. Uh, okay, what city are you in there? I'm right now in. He's running away. Does anyone need paramedics, sir? Huh? Shoot! Shoot! He got a gun. He just took his gun out of me. Sheriff's office. This will be at 34th Street North and 53rd Avenue. Or there's a gun involved. No yes. He got a gun. Well, that was exciting. All right. Well, anyone want to call in uh, 213-252-0998? Um, we have some a sports report coming up later from Eric Ochoa. But uh, for right now, ain't a whole lot going on. Um, let's see. Well, I guess it's it's a classic, but and, and you know, a lot of people think it's overplayed, but uh, guided us through sunny days and rainy forecasts. But if my timing's right, Red, it always the weekend is going to be pretty darn nice. It, 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 it carries so much weight. What the weekend's going to be nice? It was also his reassuring presence that every year helped thousands of people through Florida's horizons.
Hello folks, Russell Wright, and this is another episode of Niche Trend Radio, and uh, again an interview with the now very popular uh, Jay Townley from GluskinTownley.com, and uh, I know a lot of you on my personal list uh, is real, are real familiar with Elliot Gluskin's talks and Jay Townley's talks and our documents that we released him. And so Jay, welcome. Well, thank you, glad to be here. And you know what I'm excited about. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, today, I think uh, I'm going to let you take the reins here, but obviously you and I um, have had a lot in common in both of our businesses, um, which is interesting because you being uh, you know, a, a guide in the bicycle industry and in the marketing industry for bicycles and specialty retail shops, and me being completely on the other side of the spectrum in high, super high tech, you know, niche mining and keyword research and you know, server-based stuff, and yet... Uh, both of our worlds seem to be kind of colliding, wouldn't you say? I would say so, and that's the exciting piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the, uh, the theme that we had put out for uh, what we've been doing with our Bike Profits clients mm-hmm. uh, is that it's time that you make some decisions and changes as a specialty bicycle retailer. Just change that to specialty retailer. Right. Because <laughs> not only the bike industry, but just about every segment that's out there is broken. Yes. And you need to know how to sell the pieces. Right, and, and the way those two go together is, yeah, they're broken because the old models don't work anymore, mm-hmm. and they're breaking into niches and particles. Right. And what you need to know is how to sell the pieces. Interesting. So uh, the exciting part of uh, the specialty bicycle retail channel and what I know about the brick-and-mortar piece of that and then your world of online that we've been working on and working mm-hmm. together on uh-huh. is that... Um, Elliot and I have just done a recent survey of members of the League of American Bicyclists, so, and actually we've done this for their group. But uh, one of the, the really interesting pieces that came out of the LA Bem- LAB member survey that we did for them um, was how many of the, when we asked where do you buy your bicycles and where do you buy your bicycle products, uh, is how many of uh, the respondents talked about the Internet. So we said, where do you buy cycling products? Bike shops got 100%. So in other words, every one of the respondents, and there were over 1,000. Mm-hmm. And 1,000, by the way, makes this sample, this panel, very statistically significant. Right. And so we had all of them said, yeah, we buy cycling products from bike shops. Bike shops, but here's the piece you like. Mm-hmm. 64% said we also buy on the Internet. Right. Wow. It's 64%. Over half. Uh, 30% said we also buy mail order. So while 100% of the, of the folks do frequent bike shops, now remember, these are League of American Bicyclist members. Right. So these are folks that belong to a, a, an association that represents them as cyclists. Right. But we wanted to find out what these folks were thinking. And uh, you've got all of them, of course, are buying bike shops, but here's 64% buy on the Internet and another 30% by mail order. Mm-hmm. So it shows you that, yep, the, 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 mar- the market is broken down into particles and niches. Mm-hmm. The cycling consumer, like all consumers, is becoming much more comfortable with the with the online internet world and purchasing on the internet. Uh-huh. I mean, that's sixty four percent. That's I'm sure a hundred percent of those people. If we'd asked, do you go on the web to um, communicate about cycling, ask questions about cycling, do research about cycling, you get a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Well, that might be a little bit more specific. Uh, niche market interest than we have for the general bike talk listener but I just found that online that was uh, somebody named Jay Townley 
on a website called uh, Niche Trend Radio. All right. And um, so, how about some more music? With what we call a working group, it's a, a statistical working group in our industry. And I highly recommend.
Introduction A bike is the world's most used form of transportation. I've been riding a bicycle as my principal means of transportation in New York since the early 1980s. You're listening to David Byrne. This is the introduction to his Bicycle Diaries audiobook. I tentatively first gave it a try, and it felt good, even here in New York. I felt energized and liberated. I had an old three-speed left over from my childhood in the Baltimore suburbs. And for New York, that's pretty much all you need. My life at the time was more or less restricted to downtown Manhattan, the East Village, Soho. And it soon became apparent to me that biking was an easy way to run errands in the daytime or effectively hit a few clubs, art openings, or night spots in the evening without searching for a cab or the nearest subway. I know, one doesn't usually think of nightclubbing and bike riding as being soulmates, but there's so much to see and hear in New York, and I discovered that zipping from one place to another by bike was amazingly fast and efficient. So, I stuck with it, despite the aura of uncoolness and the danger, as there weren't very many people riding in the city back then. Car drivers at the time weren't expecting to share the road with cyclists, so they would cut you off and squeeze you into parked cars even more than they do now. As I got a little older, I also may have felt that cycling was a convenient way of getting some exercise. But at first, I wasn't thinking of that. It just felt good to cruise down the dirty potholed streets. It was exhilarating. By the late 80s, I discovered folding bikes. And as my working curiosity took me to various parts of the world, I usually took one along. That same sense of liberation I experienced in New York recurred as I pedaled around many of the world's principal cities. I felt more connected to the life of the streets than I would have inside a car or in some form of public transport. I could stop whenever I wanted to. It was often, very often, faster than a car or taxi for getting from point A to point B. And I didn't have to follow any set route. The same exhilaration as the air and street life whizzed by happened again in each town. It was, for me, addictive. This point of view, faster than a walk, slower than a train, often slightly higher than a person, became my panoramic window on much of the world over the last 30 years. And it still is. It's a big window. And it looks out on a mainly urban landscape. I'm not a racer or sports cyclist. Through this window, I catch glimpses of the mind of my fellow man, as expressed in the cities he lives in. Cities, it occurred to me, are physical manifestations of our deepest beliefs and our often unconscious thoughts, not so much as individuals, but as the social animals we are. A cognitive scientist need only look at what we've made, the hives we've created, to know what we think, and what we believe to be important, as well as how we structure those thoughts and beliefs. It's all there, in plain view, right out in the open. You don't need a CAT scan and cultural anthropologist to show you what's going on inside the human mind. Its inner workings are manifested in three dimensions, all around us. Our values and hopes are sometimes awfully embarrassingly easy to read. They're right there. In the storefronts, museums, temples, shops, and office buildings, and in how these structures interrelate, or sometimes don't. They say in their unique visual language, this is what we think matters. This is how we live and how we play. 
Riding a bike through all this is like navigating the collective neural pathways of some vast global mind. It really is a trip inside the collective psyche of a compacted group of people. A fantastic voyage, but without the cheesy special effects. One can sense the collective brain, happy, cruel, deceitful, and generous, at work and at play. Endless variations on familiar themes repeat and recur, triumphant or melancholic, hopeful or resigned. The permutations keep unfolding and multiplying. Yes, in most of these cities I was usually just passing through, and one might say that what I could see would therefore by definition be shallow, limited, and particular. That's true, and many of the things I've written about cities might be viewed as a kind of self-examination, with the city functioning as a mirror. But I also believe that a visitor staying briefly can read the details, the specifics made visible, and then the larger picture and the city's hidden agendas emerge almost by themselves. Economics is revealed in shop fronts and history in door frames. Oddly, as the microscope moves in for a closer look, the perspective widens at the same time. Each chapter in this book focuses on a particular city, though there are many more I could have included. Not surprisingly, different cities have their own unique faces and ways of expressing what they feel is important. Sometimes, one's questions and trains of thought almost seem predetermined by each urban landscape. So, for example, some chapters ended up focusing more on history in the urban landscape, while others look at music or art, each depending on the particular city. Naturally, some cities are more accommodating to a cyclist than others, not just geographically or because of the climate, though that makes a difference, but because of the kind of behavior that are encouraged and the way some cities are organized or not organized. Surprisingly, the least accommodating are sometimes the most interesting. Rome, for example, is amazing on a bike. The car traffic in central Italian cities is notoriously snarled. So one can make good time on a bike. And if the famous hills in that town are avoided, one can glide from one amazing vista to the next. It's not a bike-friendly city by any means. The every-man-for-himself vibe hasn't encouraged the creation of secure bike lanes in these big towns. But if one accepts that reality, at least temporarily, and is careful, the experience is something to be recommended. These diaries go back at least a dozen years. Many were written during work-related visits to various towns, for a performance or an exhibit in my case. Lots of folks have jobs that take them all over the world. I found that biking around for just a few hours a day, or even just to and from work, helps keep me sane. People can lose their bearings when they travel, unmoored from their familiar physical surroundings. And that somehow loosens some psychic connections as well. Sometimes that's a good thing. It can open the mind, offer new insights, but frequently it's also traumatic in a not-so-good way. Some people retreat into themselves or in their hotel rooms if a place is unfamiliar, or they lash out in an attempt to gain some control. I myself find that the physical sensation of self-powered transport coupled with the feeling of self-control endemic to this two-wheeled situation, is nicely empowering and reassuring, even if temporary. And it's enough to center me for the rest of the day. It sounds like some form of meditation, and in a way, it is. 
Performing a familiar task like driving a car or riding a bicycle puts one into a zone that is not too deep or involving. The activity is repetitive, mechanical, and it distracts and occupies the conscious mind, or at least part of it, in a way that is just engaging enough, but not too much. It doesn't cause you to be caught off guard. It facilitates a state of mind that allows some, but not too much, of the unconscious to bubble up. As someone who believes that much of the source of his work and creativity is to be gleaned from those bubbles, it's a reliable place to find that connection. In the same way that perplexing problems sometimes get resolved in one's sleep, when the conscious mind is distracted, the unconscious works things out. During the time these diaries were written, I've seen some cities, like New York, become more bike-friendly in radical new ways, while in others, the changes have been slow and incremental. They have yet to reach the tipping point as far as accepting cycling as a practical and valid means of transportation. Some cities have managed to find a way to make themselves more livable, and have even reaped some financial rewards as a result, while others have sunk deeper into the pits they started digging for themselves decades ago. I discuss these developments, urban planning and policy, in the New York City chapter, as well as describe my limited involvement in local politics and entertainment, as it pertains to making my city more bike-friendly and, I think, a more human place to live. So that was David Byrne's audio um, introduction to Bicycle Diaries, the audiobook. And we have in the studio Eric Ochoa, who is our, what is it, racing correspondent. Hey, Eric. Hi. So what have you got your eye on today? Today, well, um, I'm not too familiar with my seasons. Um, this is, yeah, that's, that's, you're right. That's tough, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, to me, there's basically just two seasons, um, winter and summer. So when it's cold, for me, it's winter. And when it gets hot, it's summer. But um, I'm going to assume it's spring right now due to yeah. the fact that um, <clears throat> the, the cycling classics kicked off today in Belgium. So usually when that kicks off, it's an indicator that it's spring. Um, today it was, uh, the, these races have some weird names, so if I mispronounce them, I do apologize. Amlupet Nuzvok, something like mm. that. It, it's yeah. a race in Belgium, so Sounds that's right. the first um, actual, I guess if you would say, classic race of the season. It was won today by Rabobank's Sebastian Langeval. There, there were a few uh, classic contenders that um, are usually like real great later on in the season, but... I didn't really see him any. I didn't really see any, see them in the top ten. Defending champion Juan Antonio Fletcher was second place. Got the same time as Sebastian. But I think um, many of the big classic contenders, you know, Fabian Cancellara, Tom Bonin, Thor Hushov, they're probably going to use these early classic races as build up towards the even bigger ones later on in the season. Of course, you know, Perry Roubaix and the Tour of Flanders. All right. So if somebody doesn't really know much about all this. Is there some kind of framework that that you can use to put it in perspective? Like, um, this is the, you know, this is the, how many big races are there in a year, and w which one is this one? Well, um, like I said, Omloop is not 
you know, a big classic. It's not like one of the races that, you know, the big classic guys talk about winning like they do, you know, Perry Roubaix. But, you know, still being a classic race, it's still a pretty big deal to some, you know, maybe guys who are trying to get into, you know, uh, to start developing their classic specialty during a race, this will be a good race to, you know, really go out there and prove themselves as a future classics contender. You know, um, Garmin makes a big deal out of Tyler Farah saying he's um, a classic contender. I really haven't seen it in him. His biggest result in a classic is placing fifth last year at um, the Tour of Flanders. But, you know, that where where he finished, it was followed by a huge group, so it really wasn't such a a big move on him. So he's going to be targeting Kern, Brussels, Kern, I think is what kicks off tomorrow. Uh, I actually think it's a pretty good race for him. He has a pretty good shot at winning that one. Okay, so but, but what is classic? Is it compared to uh, what, modern? Uh, not classic? Okay, well, yeah, I mean, these um, races are, you know, old in sense, but it's not because of that. Classic is, you know, just due to the reputation that it has, and it's much different than a normal stage in a stage race where a stage race really doesn't pass over, I think, 170 kilometers. A uh, one-day classic race can, you know, pass over 200 kilometers. And it's mostly noticeable by the fact that it has um, cobblestones on the road and it has these really short, punchy climbs mm. that, you know, really decide the race. Mm. So, you know, when you think classics, mo- most the thing that comes to mind is, you know, cobblestones. They all have cobblestones, these classic races? The majority of them do. It, even then they're in different countries? They all got cobblestones? They're, they're usually around um, Belgium and France. So that that's the spring classics. Then the Ardennes classics, which are different. Those, I don't think they have any cobbles. They're, they're like real mountainous. Huh. Those are usually in Spain, Italy, and I believe there's some in France too. Those, you know, Fletch Wallone. Uh, Giro de Lombardia, which is usually towards the end of the season. Amstel Gold Race, I believe that's in Belgium. So, I mean, classic races are pretty big, especially, you know, the ones that are really high up. And once these big races come up is when the competition really starts to heat up. Huh. All right. So when is this race? Uh, well, it finished, you know, time time zones. It, um, my brother woke up at like 5 in the morning to, you know, catch the the race live i just woke up and checked the results and everything just to like get a feel for it i'll probably get a, a view of it later if they have it on i believe eurosport is the website where they would have it so that's where you listen to it eurosport eurosport youtube pretty much um and uh, like i said um cycling news has a forum so you know people go on there and say oh i got it from right here so you know they usually post a link and take it from there hmm. and then you got these teams like rabba banks that's yeah. that's a. Yeah. What other teams do you have? Rabobank's I've heard before. I mean, I've heard before. Yeah, Rabobank has a few um, banks located here in California. They're based in um, the Netherlands, uh, and Rabobank is probably one of the longest running teams. They've been around since um, I believe the mid '90s, and it's uncommon for for a team sponsor to be with a team that long. The only other team that I know of is the American team Jelly Belly. They've been around for I believe over 12 years, but you know, sponsors usually. Um, they're sponsored by Jelly Belly? Yeah, the Jelly Belly candy company. And and what's Robba Banks? Robba Bank is a bank. There's a bank called Robba Bank? Yeah. It's R A B O B A S N K. Wow, that's like a radio station being named Kill Radio. <laughs> yeah, so, it's crazy. Um 
And so these are the biggest names in uh, in the teams, the biggest teams. What do you mean? Uh, like teams like Robobanks. Well, Robobank right now, their biggest um, riders are Lars Boom. Lars Boom came off the Tour of Qatar real good. He won the opening prologue from that race, held the lead for, you know, one, one day. But then the next day, his teammate, Theo Boss, won the, sec- the first stage out sprinting Mark Cavendish, who's considered the best sprinter in the sport. So Rabobank actually had a pretty good Tour of Qatar. They won the overall classification with um, Robert Hessing. And he surprised everybody by winning the penultimate time trial because he's not really known as a time trialist. And the reason he probably won that time trial was because it was mountainous. It, it had a pretty good amount of climbing. So um, he, that's probably the reason why he, won, why he won that stage. Also extending his lead over his rivals, which were Giovanni Visconti. Christian Vandeveld, the American, was also aiming for, for a good overall spot. I was hoping he was going to get a podium spot, but, you know, he's building up for he's building up for the Tour de France. You know, he placed, he placed fourth in 2008. At 2009, it, he, he was injured during the Giro, I believe. So he was actually in support of Bradley Wiggins, who also placed fourth. Vandeveld didn't do such a bad job either, placing eighth. Uh, again, injury got the best of him in 2010, so he wasn't able to finish the tour. But then he came back again and rode the Vuelta. Did pretty good. So I'm hoping you know the, this year Vandeveld will have a pretty good year, especially in the tour. You know, he said he's probably going to retire as soon as the 2012 Olympics are done. So he's only got about a year left in him. All right. Well, what we got on the phone is uh, we got chicken leather. Want to tell us about something? Do you want to take a break and we'll get back to your race reports? Okay. Uh, Chicken leather on the phone. Uh, actually, I was listening to to his uh, comments. Uh, I, I was watching this morning on the Universal Network. They had a recap of the uh, the women's cyclocross world champions, and I guess it was Marianne Voss winning over um, a depleted. They lasted in in tandem, three of them, and I guess she won over. Uh, I want I want to say Compton. Compton, they were they were jousting her. She had just started doing this like about a year ago. She'd been doing track stuff, and what was really amazing was, you know, you, she didn't have enough in the gas, but they were kidding her that she had, she uh, maybe it was because she had just gotten new uh, thyroid medication, and then they had the audacity to say that well, you know, she's just starting out now. She only started racing when she was four after her. She saw her brothers doing it, and I thought to myself, "My God, how early do you have to start to get into cyclocross?" <laughs> anyway, that that being said, uh, tomorrow well, night at the bike oven, we all know it's the Academy Awards, and I've always been told never program against the Academy Awards as a, as a venue. So it just happens they land on our on our bike film night. So we're going to try and do something a little different. We're going to have the Academy Awards. And you're not going to miss any of it because it's going to be in the corner on caption if you really have to have that sort of injection into your social kind of networking. And then on the, on the other end, we're going to have on the, on the large screen, multiple screens, of course, at the bike oven, we're going to wow. be uh, talking about uh, bike uh, protest advocacy. And, and uh, the, I'm going to hopefully, with about three or four clips, trace the history of of uh, biking and rebellion in the Los Angeles community and try to trace its roots back to uh, 
where we are today. I, I know this sounds in, in, ambitious, but it's not going to be that ambitious. <laughs> I, I can say that because I put together the program. But um, yeah, I was I was really inspired by uh, some of the things going on, in, in, uh, and I've asked this question to a couple people about can we learn anything from the, this uh, kind of um, new. Uh, spirit of protest coming out of Egypt, and I thought to myself, well, maybe they can learn stuff from the bike community. So we're gonna we're gonna swap ideas tomorrow, have a have a couple drinks, and hopefully we won't see anybody naked uh, streak across the Academy Awards uh, uh, thing, uh, unless we want them to. So, so chicken leather. Yeah. Can you just uh, say exactly what's going to happen at uh, the bike oven tomorrow night? <laughs> Did you miss that? Yeah, I'm doing three things at once. I'm ah, sorry. You missed that. Tomorrow we're we're going to have on one on um, multiple screens at the bike oven, but um, we're going to have a part of the Academy Awards uh, uh, broadcast. I've always been told never to do any kind of uh, counter programming, but I've decided to do a little bit of let's just say uh, creative programming with uh, the show going on in the corner, so you don't miss any of it. But also on the other screen is going to be. Um, some uh, bicycle films that uh, surround the new uh, kind of uh, feeling or, uh, uh, let's see, zeitgeist of protest that's going on. So there'll be some bike, bike uh, um, highlights from the last month or so uh, uh, with, with that in mind. And then, of course, uh, centering and, and sort of coming to a, a, a big crescendo with the, some video footage that we reported last week on Bike Talk of the new bike corral that went in. And um, hopefully it'll be in a night where you can bring a bottle of wine and enjoy uh, your fellow uh, bike person as you talk about informally some bike issues. So there you go. Did you get it this time? Yeah. Ah, great. I may have recapped everything wrong. <laughs> anyway, that's it. All right. So well, uh, get back to that report, man. From, uh, all right. Well, I Eric. think we might get a call from Stephen Box here. Ah, yeah. the box is up. Okay, loud. Ciao. Thanks. Thanks, man. All right, um, Boom. All right, Stephen. You know what? We we got you on the cell phone. If you want to just do that. What do I do? Uh, we could just talk because I have the cell phone up to the microphone. Aren't you clever? Well, I've done it before. Yeah, I'll, call the, I'll call the studio line here. Okay, great. Two one three two five two zero nine nine eight. Okay, call you right now. All right. Do you, um, so tell me, I was just doing, I was multitasking. Yeah. What's going on at the bike oven? At the bike oven? Yeah. He said they were going to show um, films. Cool. And I'm not sure where, but if you'd there's like films to make a call, on. please. Sorry, that was uh, that was a lot of stuff going on. Stephen Box is a candidate for city council, and he just called on my cell, and he's going to call in right now. He's running for District 4. Stephen. Hey, Stephen Box. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. So I was just telling Eric Ochoa here, our racing correspondent, that uh, you're running for city council, and how's it going? Well, yes, I'm in a bike race, a uh, bike race to City Hall, and uh, it's going well. Picked up some great endorsements. Yeah, um, I heard. You got Daily News, LA Weekly. LA Progressives. Um, so we're having some fun. Uh, we had a great food truck event 
uh, this past Sunday and then again on Monday. And we also have the endorsement of uh, Southern California Mobile Food Vendors Association. The reason for that is because we're big fans just like they are bringing our streets to life. And hmm. so we think that, um, you know, it's good for people. And it's just absolutely exhilarating when, uh, when the food trucks are, you know, I mean, gosh, I don't know how long it's been that we actually chose our routes home based on where we, the food trucks, the late night taco trucks were. Oh, yeah. And uh, so the fact that uh, the food truck revolution is uh, taken off, I think, is just another reason to celebrate uh, life on the streets in L.A., eh? Yeah, I mean, it, you, t- you know, there's so many gourmet food trucks, and then they tend to, like, do f- these, um, they just appear all of a sudden, like 10 of them at a time. Yeah. At certain events. So that's yeah. been really exciting. Um, we're doing, uh, Joseph Reale does bike tune-ups at farmer's markets, and... Um, as part of the campaign, that gives us an opportunity to chat with folks uh, at the farmer's market. So we've got lots of fun things. We've got three bike rides coming up this Saturday. If you go to stevenbox.com, you can find ways to participate in the campaign. But uh, one of them is we're doing um, uh, bike rides around the district this coming Saturday. Three of them, three, three bike rides, and, and also phone banking. So um, it's a great opportunity to get involved in uh, changing City Hall. Well, that would more be more responsive to the needs of people. You know, people, you and me. Yeah. yeah. People. Our friends out there. People. Right, people. All right, well, cool. Um, so next Saturday, we get, in, we get in touch through your website. Say it again? So next Saturday, you're going to be riding around to... Yeah, so we've got... Next Saturday is the bike ride. Uh, every night, we're doing phone banking. We're walking precincts. Um, we're at farmer's markets today and tomorrow. Um... Lots of great stuff going on. The, the, the election is March 8th, which is uh, just 10 days from now. So where do we... Is this like a regular vote where our polling place for the regular elections is? What's that? Where are... Is this... Uh, yeah, wherever, your, wherever your regular polling place is... I got to send you um, a manual. Be, uh, your polling place, and you can also go online, steambox.com, and you'll find directions. Uh, you, right. You'll find directions on how to um, find your polling place. Okay. All right. Well, cool. Are you um, are you gonna win? Absolutely. We're in it to win it, and uh, we're rocking. It's moving really good. We've got debates coming up at Marshall High School on um, Tuesday evening, and at Park La Brea on Wednesday evening. And so those uh, those candidate forums are a great opportunity. I'd love to see uh, our cycling community over at Marshall High School. Yeah. So. Well, all right. Cool. What time? Uh, Seven o'clock. Okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll see you there then. Marshall High School. So, all right, Stephen. Thanks a lot for okay. calling in. All right, Nick. All right, we'll talk to you. Thanks. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Sounds interesting. Sounds interesting, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds. I think, it's, I think it might be off. No, it's on. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, what else are we gonna do now, Eric? Hi, Eric. It's. It's uh, the last few minutes of the show. Okay. Well, like I said, classic season has started. So pretty much from here on until I believe April, we'll be having, you know, one day Sunday races every week. Hopefully. I still got to check the schedule out. The thing with cycling is when the season barely gets started, it's, it's really slow. 
and that's sort of a bummer. You know, there's sometimes a huge gap in between races, but you know, um, I think the season's really going to start to kick in this time. We're going to start seeing you know some real action now on the cobbles and everything. Um, there's some stage races also coming up that I need to look into. So yeah, it's a bunch of stuff to get excited for if you know you follow cycling or want to get into it. The classics are truly a great way to you know start watching. All right. Well, if we could uh, change gears a little bit, there's a caller from Wolfpack Hustle known as Roadblock. Roadblock, you there? Yeah. Hey. Um, also, Gianni uh, Deaf. And so, so, tell us about your marathon coming up. Um, we've got the uh, second year of the Wolfpack Hustle LA Marathon Crash Race. Um, it's the uh, second year, coincidentally, that they, the LA Marathon has decided not to have a bike ride before the actual marathon. So oh. what we did last year and what we're going to be doing this year is <clears throat> organizing a race through the uh, course um, at about 3 a.m. the night before the marathon, the entire course is um, blocked off by the city, and we start the race at about 4 a.m. We start registration at, at 3 a.m. And, and get the race going at about 4 a.m. Oh, so you actually have registration, just like an official entity? I like, <clears throat> I mean... Yes, I mean, like all all of our races, we run them as legit as we possibly can. Um, last year, actually, I mean, to be honest, the registration is just show up, and we do a, a rolling start. Because um, last year it was, you know, I was expecting, you know, maybe eighty or a hundred people to come out at four a.m., but we had almost five hundred people show up, so the registration slips were kind of discarded but hmm. I think this year it's going to be the same situation you just show up and we do the rolling start and that's how you get that's how you get your registration on because I think there's going to be probably a similar amount of people showing yeah. up so wow you you have a lot of uh, a lot of people involved that's how did you get that many people you know I I think it's just the fact that I mean we the the last few races that we've thrown have been large like a lot uh, you know, we've had a lot of participants and I think it's just we take a lot of time to make sure that our races are legit our, our races are the concepts are easy to understand and that we you know we look for involvement from from everybody you know I mean we make our races friendly to fixed geared geared bikes women men um we just really promote that that our races are open to everybody and and it's it's you know have a good time more more so than competition huh i, I like that aesthetic that's that's like the bike talk aesthetic so, yeah so um what's the ra what's the course of the marathon in case the course know? goes from uh Elysian Park from Dodger Stadium to uh the Santa Monica Pier and it basically kind of loops through Chinatown, downtown, back up through Hollywood. Um, it goes over through West Hollywood, down Santa Monica Boulevard, then San Vicente, hooks a left at uh, Ocean, and the finish line is um, 
I believe the finish line is Broadway. I'm going to have to look at the map and, and point the exact finish line. I'll post it. But um, Well, the it's a circle? For us is Broadway. It's a circle, right? Kind of? What's that? It's a circle? Uh, no, no. And I think that's why the marathon organizers abandoned the bike portion of it. They used to have the Acura bike ride yeah. on the marathon, and about 10,000 people would show up have done it in years past, and it's really awesome, but for some reason, the organizers took the uh, the bike ride out of it, and I think it's because they think that, you know, I don't know, LA cyclists are too wimpy to ride back from the beach to Dodger Stadium. I mean, I can't imagine why they would take it out, because it's been so popular. I mean, the last time I did it, it was like 10,000 people on bikes. And I guess that's when it was more of a circular kind of route. And this year it's more of a east to west route. Hmm. So um, a big F you to the marathon organizers for taking yeah. the bike portion out of it. Really? But we're still going to use the course and have our fun. Um, yeah, well, you know, F you to them, the organizers. But, um, but thumbs up to you, Wolfpack Hustle. And... Um, so there's going to be, it's a race, so there's going to be winners prizes. and prizes, right? Yeah, there's going to be, as always, first place men's and women's division get the most coveted prize in L.A., if not the world, the Wolfpack Dog Tags. All right. And um, goes to fixed gear and geared division for both men's and women's. Um, last year, uh, we kept the dog tags in Southern California and that's what we're looking to do this year. People came from, from all over last year. Austin Horse came out from New York, some guys from MASH, SF came out, Portland, and it's looking like the same thing is going to happen this year. I've been seeing some chatter on the Facebook page and Twitter about people from out of town coming in and we invite everybody to come and try to take those dog tags from Southern California, from L.A., um, come try to take it, you know. Is there, like, one set of dog tags and the last year's winner has them and then he has to give them up, or she? What's that? Uh, no, no, no. Everybody gets their own set of dog tags. Oh, cool. Uh, but they are only made for each race and only given to people that win. I mean, I don't even have a set of them, and I've been throwing these races for three or four years now. Um, so you must have some really good people racing, really good racers. Oh, definitely. Our our top dog right now is uh, John the Roadie, and he's just a monster. He won last year. He was on Wolfpack A that won the uh, All-City Team Race. Um, the guy's got, I think, three sets of dog tags now. Wow. And uh, he's, he's the guy to beat. And, and is there a uh, registration? It's going to be no different. I is mean, the guy's a state champion as well, so in in the so-called legitimate racing world. So-called, yes. And uh, registration fee? No registration fee. There's never a registration fee. And how do we get in touch again? For here more? Go to wolfpackhustle.com. Okay. And the event is listed there. You can also go to Facebook and look up uh, LA Marathon Crash Race, 
Okay. Um, you can go to, you know, the various bike forums like Midnight Riders and uh, LA Fixed, listed all, right. all over those pages as well. Sounds cool. Um, we want to have another bike event sometime, uh, maybe just another bike movie. So you should come to that at, at uh, the next time we do it. Yeah. All right, man. Well, good luck with your marathon, and uh, I'll try to make it if, if you know, if, if I can be up at, uh, at that hour. Sweet. Yes. Saturday night, March 20th, uh, Sunday morning, 3 a.m., March 20th. It sounds uh, like an uh, – yeah. It's going to be amazing. LA Marathon. Come on out, everybody. All right. Thanks, Road Doc. Right. Thanks, Nick. Take All care. Right. Take care. That was Roadblock, otherwise known as Gianni Def on Facebook and uh, Wolfpack Hustle. This is Eric Ochoa. Thank you for your reporting. Yeah. Uh, did you, was you, what else do you want to say? I think that's about it. You're going to try the, you're gonna try the Wolfpack Marathon? Uh, I don't think I could do it with this bike. Why not? I'd, I'd be too scared to do it. Why? I, it's, I don't think it's made for, for a race. What do you mean? Um, I don't know. I just don't think it, it'll be that reliable. Plus the time also. Okay. Do you race at all? I don't. Okay. In any interest? Yeah, but like I've said so many times, cycling is probably the most expensive sport huh. out there. You know, it's not just a bike. You know, you have to get the shoes, the pedals, the jersey, the shorts. Right. helmet right. I think there's also like a racing license that you need to get that covers registration fees at some races so huh it's not just a bike okay so we're gonna start our um, you know donations for Eric to get started in racing uh, send him to uh, bike talk and get in touch with us at live bike talk at gmail.com that was the show for today and we'll see you next week <laughs> <laughs>